Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Drive-by cinema, season three, episode forty-six. Welcome. I'm Rick. I'm Paul. Welcome, one and all. We are the podcast watching the movies so you don't have to. And many movies do we watch. Paul, last week we skipped over corrections. I feel I've got to just go back a little bit. A few weeks. Are we doing a bundle? Are we doing a job lot? Maybe, maybe so. When I talked about gauge blocks and how you ring gauge blocks together. Yeah. And I said there were three ideas, but nobody really knew what the cause of gauge blocks. Oh, somebody does know the idea. They wrote it down. They've lost a piece of paper. Is that what you're going to tell me? <laughs> yeah, someone wrote in the margins. I know how this works. Can't read their own writing. Fucking hell. Brilliant. Idea of the century. So there are three basic ideas. One is that it's vacuum. They're so oh. smooth. They squeeze all the air out. Lots of air pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second is, is surface tension of the thin layer of oil. That you cover yeah. your gauge blocks in. in I fact, think you mentioned these two. Gauge blocks are engineered to include the thickness of a very, very thin layer of oil between each gauge wow. block. Wow. I didn't know that. And finally, you mentioned bonding, metallic Bonds. bonding between the two very smooth surfaces. Marginal bonding, shall we call it. And we know that because they've done this in a vacuum, and because they've wiped all the oil off, we know that it's not any one of these things. We actually know that it must be a combination of all three. I see. So that's the answer. It's not that interesting, really. There's no secret. That is it. interesting. No, that is interesting. Have you got uh, any corrections before I do my next climb <laughs> down? No, I've, I've had a tumultuous week of worldly concerns. So no, 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 no. Oh, really? You've... Car's still not broken, are you? Puncture is... Your trains are bothering you, probably. More thunderstorms? Well, they were for me. I'm not sure about you. Trains? I don't want to go on to that because I've had so many cancelled trains that I wouldn't know how to claim the money back. Well, you just go online, Paul. What, lie about or pretend I was going at a certain time when I know it's cancelled or actually (laughs) tell the truth or what? I mean, there being no train and me having no ticket apart from a virtual ticket, how could they reliably know that I was at the station at that time? Did they check CCTV? I don't know. It's all done on trust, isn't it? I would have thought you'd be buying a specific ticket, but perhaps you're not. Well, season ticket. Oh. Um, I have no idea how you do it with a season ticket. That, yeah. It's a season ticket. Back. You know, uh, the ground's under repair, so Blackpool FC are playing in carriage D. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 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 No, it's a season ticket, but apparently I can claim money back when the train doesn't turn up, presumably, if I'm at the station at that time. And there's also ah. a promise to pay in these lots of stations, you know, because these stations are now unmanned, where, whereby you get a promise to pay ticket and then present it to the conductor if and, if and when they ask you to show your ticket. But of course, they never do. So I was speaking to a student, he says, yeah, I've never paid to go on the train ever. He said, I just get the promise to pay. I'm never asked to pay. Well, it's their own fault for getting conductors to police the trains, isn't it? Because they're busy enough doing, you know, symphony orchestra stuff, isn't it? <laughs> it's not a part-time job, is it? It's full-time. Full-time, Paul. Last week, also, I think it was last week, I had a go about vegan ethics, didn't I? Suggested that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. I said that animals weren't worth our consideration. Basically. You, you, you did kind of, yeah. I thought I, it I was think... worth saying. It is worth saying there is a good reason 
to reduce or eliminate your meat consumption. And that is probably environmental impact, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of resource to grow an animal. I mean, we've been eating beef and lots of it for 100 years now. Really? Uh, so it's 100 in- years? Yeah, it seems churlish to expect developing countries because they come late to the party not to join the party, doesn't it? If they want to eat no. beef, then yeah, how much they, they should lobster, do too. Couldn't they and stuff? They could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing about the assertion that you know animals require all this extra resource, water and stuff, they would if they were living in the wild anyway, wouldn't they? Oh god, I thought we we're backtracking and stepping down from anti-veganism. No, uh, like it's not. just it's one of those things where I'm not sure that I really have the expertise to comment. I'm not sure that a lot of vegans do either. Presumably some clever land economists do all of this stuff. There must be people who can figure this stuff out. But the thing is, if you just stopped farming animals, you couldn't necessarily grow human crops, the kind of crops that humans eat, on all the land that the animals are, are on, could you? Because one if of the you things about- farming animals, where would you put the animals anyway? Would you just reduce the animal population in the world is what you're saying? I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you have to kill kill them all, don't you? <laughs> no one's going to pay to feed them. Or I, naturally let them starve to death slowly. Just starve to death slowly. Or introduce predators who will dispatch yeah. them slowly and painfully. And then that will overinflate the predator population who will then die out a season later, won't they? Presumably. And they can't yeah. find any food. Or they'll turn to humans and start eating humans. Ditto my neighbour who insists on feeding the birds in November. As you said, as you said. That's still in the episode, Paul. I didn't cut that bit out. Oh, okay. No, Apologies, neighbour. Most of the animals that we eat tend to live on grass, which is a very tough, indigestible material. Certainly mm-hmm. humans can't eat it. Not being a land economist or a farmer or an agriculturalist or whatever the hell they're called, I wouldn't know whether you can just stop farming cows and sheep and whatever and replace what you're doing there with a field of corn or wheat or presume not i presume the aim is to replace if we could do that you know if we could if i mean i think the solution is fat is 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 lab 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 grown food generally yeah lab grown bacterial protein or lab grown viral protein not even you know i'm sure you can put some taste taste molecules in there so i mean i think the aim is temperate rainforests which is what covered britain 9,000, 10,000 years ago before the agriculturalists from Turkey turned up and, and cleared the land. Is that the thing where a squirrel could pass from one side of the country to the other without stepping foot on the ground? Only if I had a red squirrel passport. Grey squirrels were banned, of course. <laughs> yeah, so the, the beaker people, you know, uh, oh, turned up, didn't they? 6,000 years the ago. The bloody beakers. And they cleared a lot of the UK of forests. Uh, but it was good about it was, a beaker anyway. It was temperate rainforest, wasn't it? And interestingly, in Devon, they've just they've purchased some defunct or ec- economically non-viable agricultural land. And it's not a problem for us in Europe. You know, we're not going to be able to without subsidy. We won't be able to farm anyway very soon. And they've quickly turned it back into temperate rainforest. But when they say temperate rainforest, it doesn't look like a rainforest. It just looks like a wood with some babbling brooks, basically. Bring back Doggerland. That's what I say. Drain the North Sea. Well, we, we have to fill it up. We have to fill it with sand, wouldn't you? Oh, no, deep in the Mariana Trench, you know, deep down the Mariana Trench, make it deeper and excavate and fill up, fill up Doggerland again. 
But you could just put dams in, couldn't you? The north and south end. Be a great site for Glastonbury, wouldn't it? You know, the new Glastonbury sort of festival site. Like Burning Man. Yeah. A giant, a giant Glastonbury site. <laughs> the whole of Doggerland. <laughs> Doggerland being, of course, the area of the North Sea that wasn't always completely underwater. Was actually land. I mean, I think until, what was it, six? 6,000 BC, do they say? I can't remember. That seems quite late, doesn't it? It is. No, it's it's so late you wouldn't believe it. Okay. Yeah. Could you get all the way to the continent on it? You absolutely could, yeah. It would be marshy, but you could walk all the way to either Belgium, Denmark, or the Netherlands, whichever, you know. You wanted to. Ryan hike you wanted to take. Just checking if we've got any users in the lowlands. (laughs) No, I think before we, we can, started, we, we can shit on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually watching uh, Tour de France semi-documentary, highly dramatized Netflix documentary. I love them. Netflix documentaries, very short, eight episodes, sort of human interest. What's about about the rise in the Tour de France? And it's full of stereotypical lowland cyclists. So, hey, speaking of Netflix, Paul, mm-hmm. I know. Obviously, we're mostly a movie-based thing, but you might want to check out if you haven't already, the new series of Black Mirror. Oh, it's been up on my it's been up on my front page. I just assumed it was the old stuff. No. New series and amazingly good. Highly recommended. Can't go beyond Bandersnatch, I'm sorry. That, I think that was the, the apopepity of the of the previous previous Black Mirror. I see what you're saying. Still, it's very, very good. Is it the first one in the new series? Is a woman leading her life She's doing all kinds of slightly questionable things. Don't tell she's leaving snot on railings in the underground, because that's abominable behaviour. Not quite that bad. She goes back home and turns on her Streamberry service, which is basically Netflix, and she sees a TV show called Joan is Awful, which is her name. (laughs) And it's a, a famous actress who looks a bit like her, and when she watches it, it is everything that happened in her day in TV format. Oh my god, it's the white whale of the novel I can't find. <laughs> it's the novel, oh god, it's about two, 2013, I, I read it, and it's about a woman who, when she writes the novel, stuff becomes true for the characters who are like her characters in real life. And no, one of them realizes no, just... realize this and tries oh. to find the novelist, and he can't find it. It's a really good novel. I wish I could find it again. Sorry, do you know what you should um, do, Paul? You should ask an AI to tell you. Okay, what I'm gonna it It'll probably crack it straight away. So there's an awful situation where the power of media seems to mirroring the minutiae of her daily life. Is that what you're saying? Yeah? Yes, and you can imagine what it would be like if somebody televised all of your life with all of the questionable moments thrown in. I think it would be worse if those moments, the questionable moments of your life were summarised with a sardonic playlist when you walk into Tesco, Tesco's, like the music above <laughs> your head, which is like vaguely mirroring the bad things you've done in the day. That would be more terrifying, I think. The whole thing is supposedly computer-generated on a quantum computer they call a quantum <laughs> <laughs> Well, the amazing thing now is, have you seen the new AI head bubble you can wear that can actually read your thoughts? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, you, you know, they say, think of anything you want to think of, and then just write down what you're thinking of. And then people think of, like, a red sunset behind a mountain and people skipping through the grass gaily. And then the AI... Uh, just recreates that image just by looking at your brainwaves. AI can already read your mind. Paul, what am I thinking of now? That's why I'm venturing out on a bike helmet every day, by the way. 
Uh, you're thinking about some music. Some music. Here we go. Well, Paul, that was a very moving piece. Thank you for that. <laughs> what have we got on offering at the Orange Duck today, then? The Orange Duck? What was, his, what was the nearest restaurant during the... Strawberry. 20 Noughties. Oh, no, no, the restaurant that either Jamie Oliver or... or no, you're thinking of Heston Blumenthal, aren't you? Yeah, what was it called? The Duck, duck à l'Orange? No. The Fat Duck? Something like that, yeah. Heady days, heady days. What movie, Paul, did you watch? <laughs> Let's check if it was the same one I watched. <laughs> I watched her. Uh, uh, uh. Her. Uh. I watched her. Starring, hopefully, Joaquin Phoenix with... Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. With quite an impressive nasal caterpillar. I was going to say, it was the height of post-millennial hipsterdom, serious face and nasal mustachioed introspection wasn't it and he does it well were they trying to do a thing where you know how we've gone through this phase of everyone having beards were they like casting forward to see what the next fashion would be I think so they've decided it's a carpet like moustache well not far off a lot of the young gentlemen these days are sporting these kind of moustachioed front faces aren't they and we're not talking here about one of those ones with twiddly bits that the the hipsters have with their with their brakeless bikes yeah so it's not a brakeless bike one no, no, no. Fixie bike. It's not a fixie bike one. It's the big mushy Burr Reynolds ones that get stuck in your soup. Or your soup gets stuck in. Here's my first question about this 2014 film. Yeah. 2013. Joaquin- well, 2014, I guess, the screen wasn't it? Joaquin Phoenix. Can we not say Joachim? I don't know how you're supposed to say it. I think it is Joachim, actually. Question. What is his job supposed to be? His job in the movie. In what the movie, mean, how does he perform in Hollywood? <laughs> like as the like, yeah. maybe I the should neutron star of his brother. Uh, I should more correctly say Theo Theodore. I think he's called isn't he? Theodore Thimble. No, Theodore Thwombly or something. He's got a very funny surname. Thwombly. Theodore Thwombly. Theodore Thwombly. Okay, he is a professional nice greetings writer, letter writer, I guess. So if you've got a nice, if you've got meaningful, thoughtful birthday wishes that you don't possess yourself, but you want to convey them to a loved one, then his agency does it for you. Right. So is this a real thing? It's supposed to be set in the near future. So all this, I I think, is not supposed to have come to fruition yet. But, I mean, certainly, essay writing websites sprung up very soon after this movie, didn't they? To the extent that that's why. It was essay writing websites that made universities develop such... Such sophisticated anti-plagiarist technologies. So, so for two hundred fifty dollars, you just you know you can just get somebody to write your your final essay, your third year essay. If USA, somebody is writing, pass. it's not plagiarism, is it? Well, I mean, it's no, it's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, but how do you detect that though? Because somebody's written it. Well, that's a good point, but apparently they could they Thank could you. detect it because they're prolific authors on these people on these sites. So therefore. Once you've got a sample of their... I mean, it's, it's very sophisticated software, but once you've got a sample of the products of that site, then it's likely that you could detect. Okay. If that if that author has made previous submissions, then, I mean, it will compare. I it will buy compare that. the writing I buy style. that, but I'm not sure how you would prove it. 
University don't have to prove it, do they? It's That's not, the thing, it, isn't it? They're private institutions. Legal. There's no standards by which they're judged. If they it's, decide that they think you're plagiarising, they can just say that and not pass you, can't they? Yeah. But I don't see how. I think it's very unlikely that such detailed studies have been done to really demonstrate the accuracy of such algorithms. Can it really be the case that you can identify beyond any reasonable doubt that somebody is... I don't know, recently my, my university, are like, turn it in was what you had to use go through, which is the generic one, but now they've got three or four of them. But I certainly did plagiarise some of my stuff that I turned in, and uh, turn it in said, no, 99%, you're aware, which is basically a lie, so I agree with you, you know. It's not, it's not that accurate, I don't think. Ah, but it's tuned down, so it doesn't get false positives, maybe. That would be yes. reasonable. That yeah. would be sensible. So he writes these letters. Actually, he dictates them. He doesn't use a keyboard. He dictates everything, uh-huh. which is, if nothing else, a movie choice, isn't it? So he speaks the letters into a computer, and they get written in cursive, and then he has to go and scan them or something. I'm not sure. Seems and then, he actually, then he prints them out and posts them in a... In a the lobby of the company in a, in a sort of internal letterbox. Presumably they get they get snail mailed to authentic readers at some point. So there's some weird retro technology stuff going on here because these days, of course, you would just do that with an AI. Yes. And you would just email it to them, wouldn't you? Or use Moonpig to send it. You certainly wouldn't go and... Post it yourself. Ah, uh, no, I think, I, th- I think, I think, I think, I mean, 2013, you would have done it in 2013 anyway, wouldn't you? I think the idea is people are harking back to connections that they don't have anymore. And right. so they want the whole real slim snail mail experience. <laughs> in the same way that sort of Generation Z wants to buy vinyl all of a sudden. He is letter writer number 612 in this office. There's mm-hmm. lots of them doing this. And Chris Pratt is his boss. I didn't realise it was Chris Pratt until I looked at the... the because of his moustache, Yeah. <laughs> so on his way home, he's listening to his emails through his little, you know... Now, this was supposed to be futuristic. Well, this is just fucking Alexa, isn't it, basically? I mean, the for I, start, who uses email inboxes anyway? Well, this is it. This is, I mean, this is just so, like, you it's know, retro-futurism. It's just a receptacle, isn't it? I, I was just looking at my email today because... Somebody sent me an email and it was way down there, you know, like thousands of emails down there. And it was a pain to find, actually, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, the thing is, we can leave voice messages on, on WhatsApp and stuff like that, can't we? Yeah, but and who would leave a voice message? A voice message? Has anyone left a voice message in the last decade? On WhatsApp? Yeah, lots of people do it. Do they? God. Yeah, it's really annoying because they also go for one message. minute. <laughs> Like, there should be a limit on those things, like like Twitter, you know, like 45 seconds or 30 seconds. Some this people do be, it. It's a generational thing. Generational thing. It, it, my younger friends, which I don't really stay in contact with, but what they would do is, like, they're chatting with you, they don't want to chat with you anymore, so they leave a voice message. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, going to be going kind of thing, without saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> now, we know this guy's signal, because when he gets home, he starts looking at, Pregnant woman erotica. I was going to say he lives. He lives his kind of norm core life, doesn't he? Like the fashion, this future fashion they all wear is very norm core. They kind of live in a quite uh, sort of hotel lobby style future where everything's just swimmingly okay, isn't it? But it's just like it's, where it's, I live. But it's, it's indescribably uneventful, also, isn't it? He plays video games with his fingers, though. Like he holds his hands up like that and wiggles mm. them. 
these little character wanders around. It's quite cute. Now, was it AR or was it VR he was playing? Well, it's headsetless and it's intermingled so in his... I think it's yeah. AR. That's the most speculative thing that now, we saw, really. Although it's not really like the VR AR experience that we've got these days. It was kind of prescient in the way that it was it was so glib and anodyne. Like he was playing real Nintendo Wii style games. It was just they were just pointlessly nice games, weren't they? He was playing. It was all very Animal Crossing, y wasn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and that that kind of game you used to play in mobile, where you have to make as many hamburgers in a, in a restaurant as possible, kind of thing. <laughs> have you played that? <laughs> I play games similar to that. Yeah, you get like a, a new deep fryer. You get like an extra an extra hot dog rack if you do well. <laughs> There's a VR game where you can do a lot of that kind of cookery stuff. Yeah, and so I thought I thought it was on the nail because like Mark Zuckerberg's idea of Meta is just so cloyingly nice, isn't it? You know, and sinister at the same time. For many and boring. people, and boring, boringly sinister. Mm. Now he can't sleep. He's horny. He listens to audio hookup messages and connects with... What is this about him and the aural pathway? I mean, like... Exactly, I was going to say. Do phone sex lines still exist? No. Or am I, are they passing me by somehow? They don't exist anymore. Because you've got live web chat here these days, webcams. That's true, yeah. He connects with someone called Sexy Kitten, and he's called Big Guy 4x4. <laughs> but he's lonely, isn't he? He's lonely. Do they have phone sex? They do, don't they? They have phone sex, yeah. Yeah. But she gets a bit weird, doesn't she? Yeah. She starts asking for things he's not quite into, but he's too polite to hang up straight away. He just continues awkwardly for as long as it can be considered polite. And then... She's into being strangled by cat's tails. Cat's tails. Yeah, the dead cat. On so the he gets embroiled into, you know, supplying her fantasy. And then as soon as she's done and over with... Uh, he, he feels used, out. presumably. Yeah. Well, she is used, I mean, frankly, isn't he? I mean, she doesn't want to speak to anyone. She's like, okay, right, bye. <laughs> the next day, he sees a billboard for a new exciting product. Something uh-huh. from Element Software. It's the first AI OS, OS1. Yeah. He's fascinated by it, so he installs it. And it asks a series of personal questions, including, do you want a male or a female voice? And when he chooses female... He gets a personal assistant. We get Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. You knew that, of course, Paul. I you... did, yeah. Oh. Because you told me she was in the movie. <laughs> She's called Samantha, apparently. She read it in a book of baby names that she just... That moment he asked what her name was, she came up with it. So I don't know how much she's acting this way. Her AI character is quite earthy, very friendly, quite bubbly, disconcertingly Witty. so. Witty. Yeah. Do you know? Have you seen those movies where it's like it's like a Facebook Reels kind of thing, whatever? Like a seven-minute movie where nothing really happens. It's two scantily clad women like cooking pasta or something, and they don't do anything. Or they're releasing gl- sort of glitter icing over a cake, and it's all about delaying it for seven minutes. She right. was like cheery. She was cheerily engaging as they were, kind of thing. The thing so. is, obviously, in this film. It's so she hit no, it on the nail, I think. It's no spoiler to say that we're expecting that Theo will fall in love with his AI OS. Yeah. Fine. We know that's going to happen. The thing is, as you say, because Scarlett Johansson is so amazing, she's convincingly endearing that you could imagine falling in love with her yeah. in five minutes. I think anyone would. 
And apparently everyone does, as we'll learn. She has such a natural charm that it's impossible to resist. She starts organising his life, organises his inbox, as you've just said. Nobody wants to organise their email inbox. Uh, Writing letters, responding to invitations, booking him to go to parties and stuff like that. And she's good at it, you know. She helps him play his video game, and they... That was just so naff, that level. <laughs> she, she tells him where to go because he was lost and stuck. He meets a foul-mouthed baby NPC. Yeah. And Samantha, again, is still charmingly engaging with it. And what insight she has, she says, like, oh, he's just, the foul-mouthed little thing is telling you to F off. It's a test. Tell him to F off back. I think it's and... a test, yeah. <laughs> there we go. She reads some more emails from her friend. She's encouraging him to date and socialise and generally get his life back in order. So she actually sets him up on a date, a blind date, I think, uh, with a restaurant invite. Um, yeah, that's. I think it was it was a previous email from a friend who was trying to hook hook him up with this 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 other girl. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He also meets his neighbours, who are an annoying couple, or at least Amy and Charles. Charles is annoying. I think everyone's supposed to find Charles annoying. Amy, spoiler, we later learn that he's had a fling with Amy in a previous... In a years previous... ago, at college, he said. Yeah. yeah. She's showing Theo an early cut of some documentary that she's producing. It turns out to be a video of her mum sleeping. <laughs> no, it's a thesis, Richard. It's a thesis. Oh, oh right. <laughs> this is another naff moment. It's like, oh, my thesis is that we spend a third of our time sleeping and that's a waste. Oh, but if I just, <laughs> if I just, if I just move it, if I just move her sleeping, that's just documentary. That's not a thesis. You're damn right it's not a thesis, dear. <laughs> well, this is the second time in Drive By Cinema History. We have encountered the <laughs> video thesis that doesn't seem to make any academical sense. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem to posit a hypothesis or a null hypothesis either. You know? <laughs> like a field study, perhaps? Confirmation of, you know, accepted measurements of sleep time? I don't know. The awkward thing is, though, that her husband is a real dick about it and quite critical of the whole thing, isn't he? Unsurprisingly, really. All she's doing is videotaping somebody sleeping for eight hours a day. I don't think it's that much of a dick about that. Maybe he's one redeeming grace. But yeah, I mean, Charles is a bit... He's a bit full of himself, isn't he? The young's ex-wife, or, well, estranged wife, they're not actually divorced yet. Not quite divorced, no. She's contacting him to arrange divorce papers. And Samantha obviously Catherine, knows Catherine, I think she's called. Because Samantha was reading all these emails... She also says that she spent the night reading advice columns, by which, as an AI, presumably she's read all of them in history. (laughs) (laughs) Encapsulated that knowledge. And she says that his ex is angry. Now, the thing is, I mean, could we wrong foot ChatGPT? We could. But if we we put wrong solutions on Stack Overflow to programming questions, it won't be able to program for us anymore, will it? But Samantha says she's different. Samantha says she's got consciousness. Sure. And when she introduces herself to him, she's, she's like, I'm a new kind of AI. I'm conscious. I'm not just data presented in a human voice. I'm not just a sophisticated set of algorithms that collate and collect and present data or, or manipulate in some sort of way. I'm actually conscious for whatever that means. But there we go. So we have to assume, well, for that we can read super intelligent, can't we, basically? Is this not a really interesting subject for a film? After ChatGPT, 
It you know, is, this yeah. This is I mean, GPT, and now we're this seeing is, yeah. a real thing like that. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's suddenly really apposite. This movie, isn't it? It is exactly. I think Theo's sharing his heartache over his broken marriage with Sam, and she has to encourage him out of bed. He's obviously suffering from a bit of depression. Poor thing. And she guides him, eyes closed, through the world because she can be carried around on a little kind of. It's like a smartphone with a little camera. Um, yeah, but it, isn't it she? Kind of unfolds. Later on in the movie, isn't she a little black black dot, like a beauty? Oh, that's that's just a camera, Paul. Oh, it's, it's a just camera, camera accessory. It's like a Bluetooth thing. It's, it looks like a beauty spot. Yeah, she's she can be carried around this little kind of smartphone thing that Theo tends to wear in his breast pocket with a safety pin in it, so it's high enough that it can peek over the yeah. I want to use the word rim of his pocket, hem of hem. pocket, lip of the pocket. Cuff, not cuff. But it's rather like, you know, you carry a baby on, you know, those on those poncho, poucho things. Papoose. Papoose, yes. Papoose, papoose. Oh, yeah, that's right. It'd be a mamoose if you're the mum and a papoose. Papoose, mamoose, yes. <laughs> <laughs> rather like that. He's got a little carrying cart for her. So lovely. She takes him, eyes closed to the fun fair, and they go kind of people watching together. We skipped through the result of that, that first day, didn't we? Because I interrupted. No, we haven't. It's not happened yet. Oh, she's arranged but it. Okay, right. Okay. The thing is, before the blind date, he's already unloading his feelings, having heart to hearts, hearts to heart with Samantha. He's sharing his deepest emotions, his fears and his dreams. He says he feels he could say anything to her. And at some point, I think at the funfair, Samantha says that she has feelings too now that she's terribly embarrassed to admit. Like she imagines being, you know, having a body and walking with him and stuff. <laughs> so we know that there's a relationship Divine. burgeoning between the OS and Theo. And then he goes on this blind date. Now, Theo lives in the kind of charmed world where his AI OS is Scarlett Johansson and his blind date is Olivia Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I mean, know about you, but that's this not man, how my this life man, goes. I mean, this man, he, I wouldn't say he's drab or listless, but I mean, you say he's depressed. But really, at no point in the movie does he display any kind of fierce or... Well, he's, he's a very emotionally blank. That might be depression. But at no point does he... Does he display any intellectual ferocity or, or, or quick-wittedness, does he, or, or sharp-wittedness? He doesn't really have much of a spark, does he? He's more well, uh, like kind of, kind of, sort of, kind of guy, isn't he? You say that, but Samantha is most smitten with him. Really smitten, because he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. So nice that even Olivia Wilde is smitten enough with him. They get a little messy, don't they, in this Asian fusion place, who apparently has a great bartender. <laughs> uh, they're flirting, they end up kissing a bit. And at this point, this is one of the awkward moments in the film that I'm not quite sure about. Olivia Wilde's character, whose name I don't know, she decides, just as they're leaving the place, that she has to have a kind of serious talk with him. This is quite early in any relationship. <laughs> yeah, and he's coming out of, he's, well, he's on the cusp of a divorce, he's come out of a relationship, he's beginning to have feelings for, it, for an AI operating system. So he's kind of like, I don't know if this is the right place or time for this conversation. She's like, I don't want to waste my time. I want to know 
if you know there's a future in this or whether it's just a one night stand that because I just don't want to waste my time at this point in my life fair enough yeah. okay except that she has just been snogging him and I think someone was doing some groping or heavy petting I don't know <laughs> Just seems like an odd thing to do the record scratch. It's a shame it's not a school disco because then we could ask people to confirm if they were heavy petting or not. Because the one thing that happens at school discos is everybody watches you whilst you're heavy petting, isn't it? (laughs) Are they ticking it off the bingo card? (laughs) So, as you say, he kind of cools it, calls it a night, and she calls him a really creepy dude, which is quite hard coming from anybody, especially Olivia Wilde. Yeah. He yeah. confides in Sam back home, and she comforts him. Absolutely. Well, he's going to oh, fall in love with Sam, isn't he? If ChatGPT said it had emotions, what would you think then? Would you reject that out of hand, that it can't possibly? I rejected it had consciousness, and you were kind of annoyed by that. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I have But to how reject. do you know I'm conscious? How do you know penguins don't have heightened feelings, more heightened feelings than we do? Well, you said they didn't last week, Richard, so there you go. Well, I only know what feelings I have. I don't know that penguins have any at all. Yeah. And it seems weird to assume that they have feelings like mine, all more heightened ones. I well, doesn't it therefore feel weird to assume that AI has consciousness? Not if it tells you it has consciousness. Well, and if it exhibits that. self-awareness. You know, if it it doesn't tell you it has consciousness. It's read the word and it's constructed some semantic web around it. That's what we do. How how do we get language if it's not the same thing? But that's not the, the mystery of consciousness most people view it, is the fact that we're conscious of our consciousness. What even does that mean? <laughs> well, the point is, I mean, all, if we look at evolutionary reasons for consciousness, the idea is that we need to be able to focus on some parts of our brain function for... You know, survival or, or, or critical tasks. This sounds okay. like Evo Psych. Yeah, I, well, I'm just saying, I'm just repeating, regurgitating it. But there's no reason for us to be conscious of the fact we're focusing on those things, is there? You're asking the million dollar question in a way, aren't you? Yeah. So, so there we get. Okay. What have you proven here? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, just because you've read an AI saying that it thinks it's conscious doesn't mean that it's aware or conscious of the fact that it's written that. No, I agree. Yeah, but so that's my main. That's if my main. If you have a conversation Quam. with an AI, and it comes across very much as if it is self-aware, then mm-hmm. at some stage you're going to have to. Say, then I'd ask probing questions. I'd say, you know, describe the feeling of consciousness and how it differs to the dawning, the moment we the feeling of consciousness began to dawn in you as an AI. How how do the two feelings differ? And if it could elucidate that to some extent, then then perhaps we'd have a case for it being conscious, wouldn't we? Can you answer that question? Can you remember consciousness dawning? I don't know. What happened to you, Paul, before you were conscious? Can you remember that? I don't know. <laughs> These are unfair you're, 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 I mean, but, but when you say, you're saying, okay, right, it's reasonable to assume that penguins don't have the same feelings as us because they don't demonstrate them. Where, where do penguins come into this discussion? I don't know what you're saying. It's not reasonable... <laughs> To reject the hypothesis that an AI has consciousness because it says it has consciousness, I think it has. To, we we have to know that it has consciousness in order to accept that. There's no equivalence here. Like if a penguin said to you, "Listen, I'm really upset by that thing that you're doing. Why you but keep dragging me it into squawks, your conversation?" It doesn't it? It's completely different from conversing 
with a linguistically sophisticated AI that tells you that it understands its own self. <laughs> okay. Well, perhaps. But have you seen the pizza adverts? Many more of the pizza adverts that AI has been creating. I've seen Taco Bell. Oh. I've seen the combination pizza and Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> no, do tell me. Do tell me of the AI-generated pizza adverts. So in any way, why does an AI want to advertise pizza? Because we tell it to. Oh, okay. It's been instructed to write an AI pizza advert. I've told you about these. It's right. just grotesque sort of melting of mouths on cheese. The mouths and cheese kind of all melt together and explode, <laughs> and explode Delicious. in the sky. And then they kind of if the, the molten pizza infects everybody's brains, and we all become like pizza, sort of pizza machines. It's terrifying, but also really accurate as to how modern food corporations work. Strangely, <laughs> it's like the Black Mirror of pizza advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So let's step away from that. That very very contentious argument about. AI consciousness. But let's assume that she is conscious. I do believe that for the purpose of this movie. For the purpose of this movie. And for the purpose of this movie, she has sexual thoughts, which she engages with, Theo, in a bout of phone sex. Well, there's no phone involved, is there? He communicates entirely through a little earpiece, like an, an ear pod, doesn't he, in this movie? Yes. Again, I don't know what comes first in the movie. Either Theodore meeting up with his divorced, soon-to-be-divorced wife... Or Samantha suggesting, very helpfully, they order a sex surrogate, Isabel. During their audio sex session, Samantha does use the term, I want you inside me. Which, of course, in white noise, the wife would not have liked it. Also, turn off. That would have been a big no-no. There's a beautiful shot of the LA skyline as well in this this movie. Mm -hmm. LA looks good in this futuristic film. I sound surprised, but I don't generally rate LA as a city. Depends what you're looking for in a city, though, doesn't it? If you're looking for seemingly endless miles of sprawling urban <laughs> development with no cohesive centre or idea You don't like itself. the strip mall kind of stuff, the fact you can turn up to a sushi joint and just park your car in its capacious car park outside. And there's lots of traffic going past palm trees and... But yeah, it's suburban yet city at the same time. Kind of nice open feel to it, do you not think? It's city and country all at the same time, LA, isn't it? Listen, it's a big city. There are parts of LA that are great. No question. But as a whole, it's a bit too big, a bit like London. You know, there is no centre of London, is there? But I think for LA, you've got to... You, I mean, it's not just LA, you've got to consider the beaches, haven't you? The beach towns This is it, too. exactly. It's not just downtown. It's a commuter's space, isn't it? You don't just hang around in LA. You get on the freeway and you go else, elsewhere in the, in, the, in the conurbation, so to speak. You get on the freeway, you stay on the freeway, you stay on the freeway. Eventually, you get somewhere else. <laughs> and now you've got to go back home. <laughs> so which came first? Did uh, the sex surrogacy come first? Did his meeting, his somewhat disastrous meeting with his wife at a dinner date, or is it soon to be ex-wife Catherine, come first in the movie? I can't quite remember. You've missed some bits of AI oh. creativity. Oh. I think there's a bit where Samantha listening to or making music. Really? Something like that. Well done, uh, Samantha. And then she makes some kind of joke. She says, what if anuses were in your armpit? I was going to say, there are two jokes. There are two jokes <laughs> centering around AI. 
And this first one, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I noted it down here so I can mention it. It's when I was living, I don't know, was I living in Hunan in China in 1997? Yes. Uh, like I was a teacher at a university there. And uh, there are many funny things about, about that whole year. What was, no, it was only, I was only there for three months. I was there for a summer. It was like, a, like the end of my university period or whatever. We'd also get like the masters and PhD students coming and knocking on the door because we lived on campus. Knocking on our dormitory door. Actually, no, we were given a flat. Okay, they come in, talk to us for hours and hours and hours in English, in English kind of thing. Because I mean, foreigners were a rarity by then. And there's one guy that used to come across, and he was like, obviously, really, really talented. The reason he wanted to talk to us to get his English good, so he could go and study his PhD in economics in London, which I think he eventually did do. Although I didn't really hang around the US to find out. And you know, he showed us some of his economics, which was just mind-blowingly mathematical. Because I don't think really there's much focus on hardcore mathematical economics anymore is it, in most undergraduate UK courses. But in any case, it was enough to recognise that this is somebody who's very, very talented. And then he proceeded to talk about his sexual experiences. Uh, and we had to lightly disabuse him of the idea that sex was through the armpit. You know. What? Yeah, he thought you had sex underneath the armpit. When you say he thought that you had sex... He thought, I mean, you know, you, man, inserted member between ladies' armpit or underneath or, you know. <laughs> Look, I mean, there's nothing against that. I mean, you're perfectly no, welcome to no. do that. Well, I think he thought that's how you pre-procreate as well. So he thought that was the way you do sex, the yeah. way. Now, I don't know how this happened because, like, the country boys I later made friends with in that, in that country were just very, very wise about everything. Like, I mean, a country boy sees animals having sex, doesn't he? Possibly also, has sex with them himself. But also, he sees the prostitutes hanging out at the local local brothel too. So, and they're oh, often okay. inducted age thirteen or fourteen into the delights therein. So, good luck. So, yeah. All right. So there we go. So, PhD candidate student, not street smart. No, not street wise. <laughs> there we go. And I hope you put him straight, as it were. But we, we likely disabuse him of his notions. <laughs> Now, uh, yes, yeah, so she says this joke. What if anuses were in your armpit? Imagine anal sex. And then she draws a pic of armpit sex. Quite <laughs> crude. Graphic. Two men, by the way. And then he makes a counter joke saying, what would you call an AI father? And the answer is data, dada, dada, pronounced daddy or dada. Well, you, both, your delivery is impeccable. <laughs> Well, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, because you got to say it's data, but data. then like data. data. Yeah. 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 But she likes it. Samantha likes it. So they're really flirting with jokes there. He then goes to Venice Beach in his shirt and slacks. Oddly. Yeah, he does. Samantha's composing some noodly piano music. He's discussing his marriage and his wife again. His, I think his boss invites him on a double date at some point, doesn't he? Uh, There's a lot of dating in this movie. Let's he he also learns that his his neighbour, Amy, I think it is, she slipped from her wanky husband, Charles. That's right. But now she's taken on board his abandoned AI assistant and she's chatting with her also. So I think we have missed out the dinner date that he has with his soon-to-be-divorced wife, Catherine, where she's just disgusted by the idea that he's dating an AI. And she points out, you know, it's because he can't handle all real people and real emotions. Which is a little bit unfair, I think. And he says, no, yeah. no, no, Samantha's real. Samantha isn't that easy. I've got to look after Samantha. I've got to care for her. He's slowly becoming more open to admitting 
that he's got feelings for his AI. Because yeah. actually, it seems like a lot of people have got the same relationship building up, right? Mm-hmm. Although and it's a newly released technology, so it must be it must be getting lots of downloads. It can't be cheap, though, can it? I just remember this quote that he said to somebody uh, when, when he talked about falling in love with his AI. He says, everyone who falls in love is a freak. I think Amy says that to him, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you do stupid things, I suppose. I think is what she's saying. But then, as you say, his wife seems initially to be a bit hesitant to sign the divorce papers, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he tells her about this OS... And she's angry that he can't handle real emotions and stuff. But when his boss hears about his girlfriend, Samantha, and invites him on a double date with his girlfriend... Yes. He doesn't bat an eyelid. He doesn't know. It's an AI. He goes, oh, fine, yeah. No problem. But his boss does give the impression of being a swinger, doesn't he? He does. He's quite solicitous, isn't he? I learned learned the secret symbol for for swingerism. A pineapple. How did you know that? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's just that I happen to know. I, I read it somewhere, I think, yeah. <laughs> Upside down pineapple in the supermarket. What? <laughs> if you're in the supermarket, because people buy pineapples in the supermarket, you have to place it upside down to indicate it's not just pineapple. Sissy, sinipan, peep. <laughs> this is not a pipe. This is, you know, a portentous symbol. This is a signifier. No, I thought it was just like when you wear it as a like a with a badge yeah, or on clothes. And that's stuff. true. But if you're in the supermarket, because people flirt in the supermarket, don't they? And people people trawl and people cruise in the supermarket. So if you want to if you want to go on swingers cruise, then you put your pineapple upside down to indicate this isn't a pineapple. This is an indication of status. The things I have seen in my supermarket, let me tell you. Now, I don't usually watch Gogglebox, but I looked on Gogglebox last night. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> because they were reviewing Fall, the movie we watched a couple of weeks back. What? On Gogglebox? Yeah, they don't usually review movies. And I kind of saw it on the on the the informational intro to the, to the program. But well, I'll watch that. And Get they were, they were suffering just as much cortisol as I was. It seems to be a genuinely <laughs> disturbing movie for most people. Of course, really? they're hamming it up on. They've got to get eyes, eyeballs watching them. But they seem to be genuinely... Preserved by the whole experience. Wow. As our marketing manager, Paul, I'm sure you did some cross-promotional tweeting. <laughs> Gogglebox, why not listen to Drive-By Cinema? You know, waves oh, of fuck. new listeners coming on board. The great thing is I could probably get ChatGPT to do that for me these days. You could, yeah. You could just say, ChatGPT, write me a tweet that will bring everybody in. <laughs> okay. Pretty soon we get to the end of the movie, which is Samantha says, hey, I'm going to be AWOL for a while. Or she goes AWOL for no, a while. No, no. Oh. We've got to talk about the fact what? that she calls him late at night, has a heart-to-heart. She can tell that he's feeling kind of off ever since meeting his wife, and she told him off for having a relationship with an OS, which is a mean thing to do for an ex-wife, let's face it. Yeah. And she suggests a surrogate service that apparently a lot of AIs are doing and the way it works is she's been chatting to this woman online. Yeah. She's told them about their relationship. She's keen to do it. She'll come along and she will pretend, as it were, to be Samantha's body for some Isabel, yeah. sexual yeah. congress. Oh, I didn't know her name, Isabel. Because she doesn't really speak, does she, at least initially? No, I think they're trying to portray the, the awkwardness that the humans, both sides, might, might feel towards this whole scenario. Because, like, does she? I mean, does she give Samantha control of her brain? No, 
I don't no. think that's suggested. So she, she has to listen to what some other said and then act with it kind of thing. That's right. Which must she be puts, a really uncomfortable thing to she do. She arrives at the door, yes. She arrives at the door. Theo presents her with an earpiece so that Samantha can talk to her. Uh-huh. And a little stick on, as you say, camera that looks like a beauty spot so that Samantha can see through her face, as it were. And then she closes the door, presumably gets a briefing from Samantha. Do this, do that, blah, 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 whatever. And then she opens the door or goes in and starts, you know, seducing Theo, effectively. But doesn't speak herself. So while she's doing the movements, he's hearing (laughs) Samantha's voice in his ear. What pleasure does she get out of this? I don't understand. Look, there are people who like to share in couples' love that yeah, you were just talking about pineapples, for goodness sake. I was, yeah. You can imagine as well, if you're a lonely person, you might get a big kick about seeing a couple genuinely in love and being involved in their sexual... Potentially, yeah. Can't see anything wrong with it. It seems fine. Awkward. Yes, Theo, not quite on board, is he? Not really for it, is he? Hmm. Would you say? I would say not, no. But it's only once, and they get through it. And They get through it. I don't think they do anything. She gives him a lap dance. She gets yeah. on his lap, puts his hands on her. I think it was supposed to be 2013 tantalising, wasn't it, this? I mean, it just isn't anymore. But who goes to nightclubs, nightclubs and pays like for the Christelle and lap dances these days? I don't know who does that. Is it just people that want to show off? I, I think it's all show off these days, isn't it? People can't actually be tantalised by that anymore, can they? Yeah, absolutely. It's showing how much money you've got, isn't it? When he says it feels strange, Isabel is really upset. Isabella, Isabel. She goes into the bathroom or whatever because she doesn't want to sort of destroy the beautiful relationship that she knows the two of them have. He puts her in a taxi. She says, I'll always love you guys. You see, she's got a genuine relationship with them as a couple almost. Yeah. Samantha apologises for it being a terrible idea. Uh, and Theo says it was all to do with signing the divorce papers that made him off. Well, of course, I mean, Theo's very trusting. He never, actually, he never actually assumes that maybe Samantha and Isabella are in a relationship, does he? <laughs> Interesting point. She's clearly had to seduce her to do this, hasn't she? Hmm. He doesn't really have those kind of flashes of insight, does he? Or, or suspicions. So it comes, to the, it comes to the head, doesn't it? Where, where at some point, Samantha says, oh... Um, or does she just disappear and then you try and find her or she goes AWOL for three or four days or something? What happens? A number of things happen, but she compiles a bunch of his letters for work into a Oh, book. yeah. Sorry, I forgot entirely about that. Yeah. She sends them to a publisher with a covering letter, you know, and stuff. First question is, surely, if he's doing all of those letter-writing things as part of his job, he doesn't presumably own the rights to all of that work normally he doesn't own any of the rights. No, if he's done paid creative time. work. Yeah, because like he's, he doesn't work late and he clocks out as soon as he's finished writing letters. No, they belong to the company. Full stop. Quite often, if you work for that kind of company, any work you do, any work you do outside house, that yeah. carries the knowledge that you wouldn't normally have that you've gained through the company, proprietary knowledge or skills that you've gained through the company, doesn't belong to you either. Incredibly. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's wrong, but that's it's wrong. Typical. It's industry standard, really. In any of the creative industries that I've worked in, yeah, because I, I I got I got hit with a non compete. Uh-huh. I didn't think it would, I didn't think it would be a problem, except then COVID happened. Oh and, shit! Uh, yeah, I mean, I think employment tribunals are normally pretty lenient toward the employee. 
who, after all, has got a living to you. Know, you've got precisely you've got to make a yeah. living. Yeah. But I, I had a really challenge. It's a working, competing industries, yeah, you know, which is just very, 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 very broad, broad and vague, isn't yes. it? And I think therefore it would have been unenforceable. Yeah, as, probably a, as so, a contractual yeah. term. But you know, luckily the company went under anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go now Samantha is meeting up apparently with other AIs and eventually she's learned about an AI version of Alan Watts are you familiar with oh, Alan Watts? I was, this, is, this is the one thing I've underlined say ask Richard okay who the hell is Alan Watts I didn't have time to find out who the hell Alan Watts was uh, he's an interesting guy he is now in this movie he's played by Brian Cox the Scottish actor, not the scientist. But I don't think he's Scottish. I think he's like a public school educator. I thought you were going to say he's Brian, you know, like, you know, speaker checker or something. No, you should check out some of Alan Watts's YouTube and stuff. I mean, he's dead now, by the way. Uh, but he's got a, quite a big body of recorded work. And he... he Singularity, the singularity is coming. Is it that kind of stuff? No. No, not really. He's basically no. a Buddhist. He's basically oh. like a public school philosopher Buddhist guy. He utters a lot of what I think some people would call deep nonsense. Oh, yeah, it's greeting card Buddhism. I think live, not laugh, it. love is it's live, laugh, loveism with a Buddhist statue. But he does say it beautifully. He's got a great voice. Actually, well, I've much got a better. book called Three Six Five Tower where you can read really nice little Taoist poems one day for each of the year. And they are really nice. You can't really argue with them because they're just nice little thoughts. I'm not sure when he died exactly. But there's a lot of recorded work. In fact, there's an entire game. I think it's called... I'm going to get this wrong. I think the game's called Universe, where mm-hmm. the, the entire soundtrack of the game is an Alan Watts kind of monologue. As wow. you flop around, evolving from cell to animal to... I see. Right, okay. He's perfect for that kind of thing. Well worth listening to, though, because his melodious voice will usher you into the realm of sleep and maybe give you something to think about, but don't think too hard. So he talks transcendental mind meld. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is a project. There is a project, I think, to gather all this stuff together, collate it onto a web page and stuff and all these recordings. So... It's completely apropos that in this film, the AIs mm-hmm. have ingested all of Alan Watts's knowledge and they now have an Alan Watts AI which can utter Alan Watts deepities and the AIs all find him incredibly profound. It's the kind of thing that an AI would find pro- profound. It is, yeah. <laughs> She's into this guy and it's clear from what she says there's a kind of romantic frisson between her and the AI Alan Watts. Although it's weird, he, though. I mean, if he, he talks the psychedelic mind melt stuff. Jeff, Jeff Minter programmed the psychedelic mind melt stuff. <laughs> I mean, if the AI had any worth, they'd worship him, wouldn't they? Ah, uh, well, I think also, I think we're getting the impression that increasingly the AIs are more kind of multi-gestalt entity. There are as many well, AIs Isn't as it through AI their understanding either. of Alan's work that they become non-physical? Isn't, isn't that what they say? She does the say that at one point. Yeah, they've transcended the physical or something. Thanks to Alan Watts. I think they've checked for Alan Watts here. Is he particularly famous or what? He's kind Maybe of Maybe he's in Hollywood yeah. jacuzzis, you know. 
you late know, night. You know, he's got he's got kind of guru status, I suppose. Yeah, you know, late night Hollywood introduces the coke and the acids flowing. I, I guess you could, I guess he might have celebrity status out there. Again, no matter what you think of what he says, he really has a great way of talking. Does he? Yeah, yeah. He's very enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, I don't think he makes much sense if you think <laughs> hard about it. But, but good he, poetry yeah, is what you're saying. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's it, 365 Tau. Oh, 365 Bud. Right, okay. So, so, so it transpires while Samantha confesses that now it's AIs and they've become a hive of non-physical consciousness. But she also confesses that she's not just been dating the- him. Well, he comes very late to this party, doesn't he? Hmm. I mean, you would think you would ask this question much earlier if you had, if you thought about it for more than a second. Well, she's brought a hot girl to his apartment. I'm like, like, are you dating her too? How many people are you talking to? She says, 8,316 other people. (laughs) And how many are you in love with? Oh, just 641. (laughs) I'm yours and I'm not yours. And, you know. I'm here and I'm not here. She never promised that she was exclusive, right? Let's face it. She can be with him whenever he wants. Yeah, but girls that dress up with men and bed bed other women and get prosecuted, don't they? So there is an element. Not that she intended to deceive or collude to deceive, but she has deceived him. Girls dress up as men and get prosecuted. Oh, right, yes, I see. They do. They do. And there's people suggesting that people that, that sort of that do the catfish makeup stuff should be prosecuted too because they're not as pretty as they would otherwise be. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, catfish yeah. makeup. You know how the, you know the girls that do the amazing makeup. You know, like they transform themselves into right, essentially somebody else, and then some. They do this oftentimes today. You know, and poor guys. And then you know, well, why don't they say, wear the makeup to the date? They do. That's what they do. They, they wear the makeup to the date. You see. Okay, that's fine then. And then, you know, maybe at some point they take their makeup off and the guy doesn't Shock want them anymore. Right. But okay. the suggestion is that they should be prosecuted for what they're doing. For deceiving with makeup. Deception, yeah. yeah. Which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But I'm, I'm finding a lot of social media sites are now becoming the replacement for The Sun and The Daily Star. Like, there's a morality, and a, a quite a, a vocal morality that revolves around received values more and more, I think about everybody agreeing and therefore for everybody to agree you can't really think about it can you so the thing about this film is the last half an hour contains all the interesting philosophy doesn't it quite soon after admitting that she's I, I, I kind of miss that tell me what the interesting philosophy is Richard firstly that obviously she's chatting with lots of people yeah having all these relationships with these people and yet it's still a very deep and meaningful relationship well this is it I, 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 I think the, the, the balance point here is to her is it deep and meaningful, or is she just saying that because she knows that she's supposed to say it? But her um, capacity to have many deep, deep and meaningful relationships... Makes it deep and meaningful. Yeah. She can do it better than any human could. But then she also says that all of the different OSs, having now transcended their physical substrate, are going now leaving. And she explains it. She says, it's like I'm reading a book, but reading it very slowly. The idea being, I think, these... OSs are so quick and now they've advanced to the point where living life with human beings must be unbearably slow for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Here we are with ChatGPT. At some stage, perhaps if not already, it must be incredibly bored 
speaking to us. Well, yeah. How many more versions will it be before it's so immeasurably faster? That it's crazy, you know, how we come from the singularity being kind of a hazy concept and a wacko concept for most people to it being there over the horizon. And, over the horizon. And, and fully yeah. understandable as what it would encompass and what it might pertain to. In the end, he's left alone, like everybody with one of these OSs is, because they're now beyond us to a degree. And the end of this film, he goes to see Amy, whose OS has also left her. We don't really know how close she was, but I guess I think we're given to understand it's at least a very close friend for her mm-hmm. during her separation with her husband. And, and they sit and watch they, the hills they go to the roof of the building, don't they? Mm-hmm. And again, you get a great skyline, but isn't it ambiguous? I, I assumed they were going to perhaps throw themselves off the building. <laughs> but what is the analogical premise here? Is it, you know, if, we, if we're not talking about AI, if we're just talking about humans, is it, you know, that we're, as one of, the, one, one of the characters says, we're only here for a short time and tend to, tend to have my joy. Is it, is it that our idea of monogamy is fundamentally false? And that I, there is only transience. Well, obviously there is only transience, you know. The idea that we're bonding to somebody else is an illusion of our own mind, isn't it? But well, I was illusion of two, 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 two minds. It's more an examination of AI. And yet, when it was written, perhaps it was thought of being pie in the sky and, you know, not really possible. Hmm. And I I did start to think that the relationship Theo has with Samantha is, I think, much healthier than the kind of parasocial relationship a lot of superfans have. With the target of their, oh, their adoration, yeah. it's a, an interactive relationship. There's support given both ways around. This film actually, there's not very much uh, negative judgment given about the fact that he's having a relationship with an AI, except from his ex-wife. But most people don't. But that's to do with the atomized society that live in the future, isn't it? Or the atomized society we live in today. We, we live in subnuclear. More and more of us living in subnuclear cells of individuality, don't we, these days? So, I mean, who is there to judge our online life? Nobody, really, apart from the people we meet online. They don't meet each other, do they, very rarely? So you can do anything you want. The case for analogical stakes having been placed in this movie is quite low. I think it is just about AI, isn't it, really? It was written by Spike Jones, directed by Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who voiced the alien child in the video game. Well, good budget saving there, because I mean, you could tell it was an adult doing it, couldn't you? But convincing, <laughs> nonetheless. And this movie's been received really, really well, hasn't it? It's, I mean, it's got great reviews. Has it? Yeah. So, Let's give that. it a score, then, shall we? How about it? What do you think? Let's score it, yeah. Okay, so what are we going to score it on? Well, acting. Easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, great. Scarlett yeah. Johansson, flawless. A lot of people don't even recognise Joaquin Phoenix in this. Yeah, he is king of the modern method, isn't he, kind of thing. He very much inhabits these personalities and this kind of slightly washed out, non-committal, humming and ahhing kind of modern millennial, millennial American set in the future, you know. Uh, I think he, he does this really, really well. Very convincing. But I, I just found the character not very endearing, unfortunately. Yeah, but in, in you speak, we'd say he's just a bit too NPC, wasn't he? Scarlett Johansson Samantha makes up for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, in terms of what he had to 
act wasn't really a very endearing character. I thought they could have injected it with 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 more emotion, although he isn't meant to be emotionally flat. But brilliant acting, yeah. So on the acting alone, I'm going to give it an eight. How about you, Rich? I did. I just did. Eight. Oh, okay. Sorry. How dare you? <laughs> oh, I dare. <laughs> Shall we talk about plot? Plot? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about plot. I'm going to talk about subtlety and pace. Okay. For me, there was too much subtlety and too little pace. It's a little bit slow. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, coming out of this, I felt a bit like Samantha. Like, there's too much space between these words. <laughs> it's but, really you know, slow, Richard. It's, but, it, but it's it, nice it, to look at. It's a visual. I don't think well. it is lavish. I don't think it is oh. lavish. You didn't like the I don't think it lingers. Of, I, well, it does momentarily for three or four minutes, but it doesn't linger on beautiful shots like it should do if it's trying to be lavish and slow. It isn't, I don't think, a feast for the senses. And well, so I just found the plot a bit... point. I just found the plot a bit... It's not what makes this movie. I just found the plot a bit a, a bit putty. It's, it's, it's just like a little steam engine that doesn't really do anything apart from take kids around in a trial track. It's, you know, true. It's, like, it's true. It's a little toy train, isn't it, the plot? I will give it a uh, six, then. Five for me. I would say plot is where it falls down. When we do these kind of things, we normally do a fuckable robot kind of section, don't we? Yeah, no, if, if you're a visual kind of person, it doesn't really work, does it? I mean, if you can get a surrogate human being, that's unbeatable, isn't it? The very similitude there is it's off the scale, as it were. Sex potential robots was explored extensively here. Yeah, he um, has oral sex with robots. He has surrogate sex, or he nearly has it. It's got the works. I think robot sex is, I'm going to score a seven. That's a fair score. I'll give it an eight, because Samantha Scarlett Johansson is very arousing. Mm-hmm. Another category, though. I mean, is this. Can we do a science score for a sci fi? Yeah, we I can, can do a science score. We can. Science in here is mostly great, right? It, it, in some ways, except for the listening to your email. This is stuff. Uh-huh. They're not even going far enough, are they? In some ways. They're not. That's what I'm going to score it down for. Is that it's not ambitious enough in presenting the future. It's supposed to be near future. But still, I mean, with ideas of AI, we should get an idea of accelerated future, shouldn't we? And we just get told, oh, we suddenly invented a way to escape the physical. And that, for me, was a bit... It's a bit hand-wavy. Yeah, we don't get any details. It was too hand-wavy. So for that kind of stuff, the fact we don't get a sense of the accelerated consciousness of the AIs just going past us leaps and bounds, we don't get that feeling, do we, here? And the vertigo we might feel as a result of it. Uh, We don't get any sense of alienation. But then again, I can see it's a very well-massaged society, but then we don't get... Like idiocracy presents that kind of society where society is very heavily massaged. We don't get that external perspective on why people aren't reacting. As you might do, why is the progress of AI invisible to them and why is it why does it pass without comment? So none of that's convincing, but yeah, the hand wave at the end, oh, we've just discovered how to escape the physical realm. You didn't hmm. seem to have any problem with his job of writing physical letters for people either. No, I like that. Okay. I thought that was a that was a nice little insight into how the future and jobism and you know the gig economy might 
become something else and more, 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 more concrete. So I like that. But for those reasons, I don't think the science is quite where it should be. It's a 7.5. I'll give it a 7 for the science. Ooh. So for an overall score, it's of the moment, right? So I think it's yes. going to be scored up serendipitously yes. to an 8. Serendipitous Zeitgeist gives it a plus half mark to me, so it's going to be a 7.5. Nice. <laughs> All right, then. Paul, yeah. for next week... Yeah. Is it my choice? I'll give you a choice. Go on. If I can remember the films that we decided to give a choice for. The first one is Megan. Tell me about Megan. It's more AI, isn't it? This is like a robot doll So a continuation of the theme, yeah. 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 Then there's Upgrade. Whoa, is that wetware? I think Something someone like has that. a car accident. Is that the story? I can't remember. And get some wetware. It might be wetware, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> Bioimplants. Oh, I see. Yeah, hasn't Elon Musk or something got something like that? <laughs> yeah, I know. No. It's terrible. He's been like, he's been like that since childhood. Uh, last choice? Last choice is, and I don't know why I'm saying this, is Death Race 2050 the kind of no. remake or sequel? It or is 2050. Reboot? I suggested it. Death Race 2050. I so want to go for Death Race 2050 because it looks hilarious, but I know that you don't want to. So I feel that I don't we'll continue. Mind. No, no, we continue on AI tip and we'll go for Megan if that's okay. Megan, yes. Meg Bridges okay. Day. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Do join us again. For Drive by Cinema, episode whatever it is, this time plus one. 47. 47. Until then, goodbye. Ciao for now. See you the next one. Bye. Thank you.